Hey everyone, welcome back to a new special, supposed to be Wednesday episode of Crimson Flow Biblecast. The reason it's not Wednesday, I do apologize. My son was back in the hospital over the weekend. Um, prayers are prayers are greatly appreciated for that and thankful for. We are grateful for those. But the reason he was in the hospital again is something to do with his disease. He was not contagious, thankfully. Uh, he did not have the flu. He tested negative. Uh, it's just something to do with his disease. He got the intercolitis again. But the main thing is, he's at home now. But being as he was in the hospital, uh, we was not able, or I was not able to record um as much as I would have liked. So today we're going to start a new series. This is being as this is going to be our brand new Wednesday night episode. When Wednesday night Bible study is what I'm gonna call it. Um and you'll know which one it is because if you look on the episode list it'll have WBS Wednesday Bible study. So you'll know exactly what episodes were on Wednesday night, so you'll know other than the title. I mean, okay, when I put the title, I'm going to title it like I have been the other ones. I've not been putting chapter this, chapter that. I'm just going to put uh, something that's in the context. Well, you know, like last week, one of the uh, topics that was talked about in the chapter that we were in in the book of John was whose approval are you seeking? And that's what I what I titled it because Jesus was talking to the disciples and they had mentioned a few times about, you know, their leaders on earth, you know, they were concerned about what they would say. And Jesus basically told them that, um, to worry, not worry about what they said, but worry about what the, the man in heaven, the great judge would say, in that sense. Okay, so I've decided that we're going to take this. You know, I had talked about doing the beginning, you know, Genesis to Revelations and and like that, not all the books in between, but just Genesis to Revelations, like do the beginning and then do the end. But the more I thought about it and the more I've, you know, talked to God about it, I, I come to the conclusion that yes, those historical things are important in the book of Genesis, the history. It is important. It starts everything off, and that is that is good. But what we need right now is somebody to speak the truth and teach the truth about what God said and God taught the apostles and the disciples that he walked with on the earth and we are doing that with the book of john on the sunday episodes but also you know you got matthew mark and luke which are really there are some things that happen in, in mark that doesn't happen in luke there's some, you know there's some things that happen in each one but just look at it this way the four gospels which is matthew mark luke and john they all tell the same story from different perspectives. Not saying that you can read one and know everything. 
you need to read them all because they each one of them might have something a little different. You know, it, one's from Matthew's point of view, one's from John's point of view. You know, it's, it's something like that. You know, each one of them may see a little something or a little something different or a different side of Jesus. Or in in you know in reality, it's a different side of God that He's putting that perception in their hearts. Okay, so I thought about this, and you know, it just came to me. I was like, one day I, I was thinking, I was like, God, what do you want me to read? Like, what should I do next? And the Book of Acts really stood out to me. At first, it was Proverbs, but as I got to noticing. There was a lot of people doing the book of John. Right after I started it, a lot of people started covering the book of John in, like, on the internet sermons. And, I, you know, I thought that was kind of cool, you know. And it really showed me that it was a move of God to do that. But then I also seen a couple people doing Proverbs, but they had already started it. And I didn't want to feel like, you know, if word got out I don't want them to feel like I was just copying them so also not really knowing a lot of the history and you know what the book of Proverbs was around you know like what time frame or uh, you know what setting it was in you know kind of like the context of it I decided that being as we already in the book of John Let's just move one one book over and go to the book of Acts, which is wrote by the Apostle Paul. And this is his teachings. Now keep in mind, Apostle Paul, he uh, at one time was a pretty big sinner. God changed him. Changed him pretty good. And uh, I'm sure he is eternally grateful for that. Uh, this guy led uh, 3,000 people to Jesus in one day. You know, he was up there preaching on a hickory stump, so to speak. And one of the guys just said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, repent, and ye shall be saved. Or something like that. It was around those words. We'll probably find that out here in a chapter or two. Because... He goes to preach after Jesus ascends up into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. If I have my history correct. It's been a while since I read in the book of Acts. So, um, we'll get started. Uh, you know, we'll start with our normal everyday prayer and get things going. Father, we come before you today and ask your humble forgiveness. For you said, repent, and ye shall be saved. But we thank you for the many blessings that you bring for us, Lord. We also ask that you allow the Holy Spirit to come into us. So that we can learn and teach others about what your word says. We thank you for that, and thank you for the ability to do that freely in the country that we live we also pray for our country and its leaders, all of them, that they may turn from their deceitful, wicked ways and follow you in a more lighted, gracious way. For also, 
We ask that we yield ourselves to you so that we may do your will and not our own. For we thank you in Jesus' name. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that prayer was a little different, uh, but knowing that I just said something about repent and be uh, ask for repentance and be saved, I figured I would add that in there. You know, it, it would go with the context. But also, keep in mind what true repentance is. And God only accepts true repentance. Repentance is not just saying, hey, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. True repentance is, hey, I'm sorry, and you don't do it again. You always remember what God brings you from. And you always look at that. Sometimes it'll it'll come at you like a like a wrecking ball. Trying to knock you down, trying to just give in, get it one more time. And that's with anything. It could even be something as simple as sugary cokes, sugary tea, sugary cupcakes, whatever. It doesn't have to be drugs, doesn't have to be alcohol. It's anything you let control your life. Anything that it can be considered a sin. That's what you have to ask repentance for. We do it every day. And they all follow the same basic principles of what sin are, what sin is characterized by. In the, in the, they call them the seven deadly sins, um, but them themselves are not actually sins. But you could categorize them into sins. Or the, those sins like... Um, say you um, cheat on your neighbor. Or cheat on your wife with your neighbor. Well. That's lust. That's also greed. Because you want more for yourself. So think of it that way. You know, every, every sin we do. And we all do them. There's nobody perfect. Jesus is the only perfect one. Well, him and God, but you know that's the same person. It's only a perfect person. We all do things. Even if we don't realize it, we'll accidentally do it. We're human. But it's up to us to forgive each other. Like Jesus did. He was at, Jesus was asked, How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven? Or seven times? Yeah. And Jesus said, no, you should forgive him 70 times 7. And then he added, somebody somebody tried to say, so does that mean like so many times? They try to do the math in their head. And right after that it says, no, you should always forgive. Because not forgiving, one, means that they have control over you. And two... Also means that, in a way, you're also judging them and doing God's job on certain things. What I mean, like whatever you need to forgive them for. Like, let's go back to the cheating on your, uh, like, let's say your spouse cheated on the neighbor, or cheated on you with the neighbor. So, you know, she done committed her lust and greed. Or he or she, you know, spouse, 
So the spouse done committed the lust and greed. Well, let's slow down there. Think of it this way. If you don't forgive her, and and I'm not saying, I'm not saying stick around, because there are certain things in the Bible, and we can get into this a whole different day. But um, there are reasons in the Bible that it justifies divorce. There are a few things in the Bible that does justify divorce. It's very, 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 very limited on what is allowed for remarry and that's the misconception once most of the things when you break that covenant i think actually somewhere in the bible it says if you have an unruly if a man has an unruly wife huh, there goes my air conditioner um but if a man has an unruly wife he can divorce her but just because she's unruly and he can't control her does not allow him to remarry because they are together until death do they part. And then you can't kill her because then then you committed the sin of murder. And then also that kind of falls into greed as well because you, you wanted to move on and get more for your life. But, you know, but that's that's besides the point. But you get what I'm saying. Like, if you don't forgive her, because she's committed these sins. One, you're always going to have that over you. You're always going to have that held over your head. Even if nobody else does it. It's always in your mind like. It's tormenting you. Like, How could she have done that? You know. But if you just forgive her. Let's just forgive them. I keep saying her. And it's because I'm a guy. And you know. I automatically assume. You know. I'm thinking that everybody has a wife. You know. That's not. I know that's not the case. But let's just say her for an example. But, you know, you forgive her, and then all of a sudden, you're free. You don't have to worry about that no more. But true forgiveness only comes with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the kicker. Because to do the things that Jesus wants us to do with purity can only come through the Holy Spirit. If you try to do it yourself, you're screwed up. If you try to say, oh, I forgive you without, you know, putting God in it, it's going to haunt you. That devil, The devil is going to come and attack you with every ounce he can of torment about that issue. And, now, on my second point, if you don't forgive, then you are automatically judging them saying that they were the one that was wrong. Which, I mean, yeah, they are. They are. But it's not for you to judge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That doesn't mean you can take your revenge. That doesn't mean you can avenge. Two different things. But, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. There was a story I heard one time. And there's plenty of stories in the Bible, I'm sure. But this story, especially for me, because it stuck out in my head, because it was more modernized. And and I think, you know, I know this is kind of off subject, but if, if you can deliver the Bible word for word, and then turn it around and put it into a modern day concept or context, 
not change it. Same beliefs, but just put it like how it relates to us in today's time. That's what really gets the younger people. Because then they can understand it. You know, back in the old times, like in the 50s, whatever, when they had the old-fashioned religion, or let's even go back further to 1800s, that old-fashioned religion, they related to this context more than the new, you know, we do today because, you know, technology is so much farther advanced. Back then, you know, they still farmed with non-machinery, you know, the cows, and or not the cows, but the mules, pulling the plows and stuff. So they related more to these people back then that were sheep herders and sheep herders, shepherds and cattlemen and everything like that. So I've got distracted enough. Let's get back in, or get into. I haven't even started yet. The Word of God in the Book of Acts of the Apostles. Like I said, it's wrote by the Apostle Paul. And we're going to start here in chapter 1. Um, a lot of good stuff in this book. A lot of good stuff. This is uh, stuff that was sent to Paul through the Holy Spirit. He told him to teach. Even It, it even starts out with some of the red letters, which means that Jesus is there. Whether he's there in body or spirit, I'm not sure yet. We'll get into that because, I mean... It is in the first chapter, so we'll get started here. Verse 1, it says, The former treatise, treatise, which I think it means treaties, have I made, O Theophilus, if I butcher these names, I'm sorry, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles, whom he had chosen. So he had chosen the apostles, and then after he's called up, he sends the Holy Ghost down to give them information and commandments on stuff that he wanted them to do, wanted them to preach, wanted them to say, basically told them that I'm going to control your life from now on, but you're going to do it willingly because you love me. That's basically it. Okay, finally there is off, so maybe you'll hear me better. Perfect timing when we really start getting into this. In chapter 3 it says, To whom he also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the king or the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So, you know, he's he's been seen forty days after he went to the clouds. Um, and he's been speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom, and it's just so much proof there that he's risen from the dead. And in verse 4 it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. This is honestly right before the day of Pentecost. Um, thinking back, yeah, I remember the first chapter is the day of Pentecost. I've read it before. It's been a while, but I've read it before. And we'll get into it and I'll show you what it really means. And then it says, verse 6, it says, When they therefore there 
that when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. See, back then, this whole western world, western side of the world, was not known. They did not know it. Of course, we all know in history, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, even though it's debatable and almost proven, it probably is proven, that the Vikings were actually the ones that discovered North America. I think they discovered Greenland first. Um, But just, you know, saying that, we, back then, they didn't know about the western parts, but Jesus included that, and he said, when the other uttermost parts of the earth, he knew what was coming. You know, that's, that goes to show you, he's always a hundred steps, a hundred million steps ahead of you. He knows the path you're taking, the exact outcome it's going to have. That's why he's that still, small voice in our head, under the Holy Spirit, telling us which way we need to go. And uh, the problem is, though, we reject it a lot. And then he stops talking. And then our conscience is kind of seared, so we really don't even try to listen no more. And the things that once bothered us don't bother us no more when we do them. And then we get that more and more disconnect from God. You know, I heard a preacher say one time, I don't worry about the people that's constantly calling me saying, Preacher, I've done something. And I need you to pray for me. Even if it's the same thing over and over. He said, I don't worry about those people. He said, I worry about the people that do something all the time and don't feel bad for it. They don't have no remorse that they've done it. He said, those are the people that need to hit the altar. He said, because if you have a conscience about it, God ain't let it go. He ain't let you go either. So, you know, if you have that thought in your head like, I need to get back in church. And it's just kind of bugging you. For one, go. But two, also, like, if you do something and then you feel really bad for doing it, like, why did I do that? It's because that's God talking to you. Trying to get you to to do right and come to Him for help. So let's get back into this. And it says, in verse 9, it says, And when He had spoken these things, while they beheld Him, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Okay, I was a little bit ahead of time. So this is, you know, Paul's accountants of the book of Acts. They're in the upper room right now. Uh, I'm sure, it, I think it says that in another book about the upper room. Because it doesn't really, uh, I don't think, label this as an actual upper room. But we know they were in an upper room. 
which basically is like the first floor that was on top. Like, you know, okay, it would be like the third or fourth floor to us, but it was the first one from the roof, you know. And then it says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. So these two angels. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So that's just saying he's going to, as you see him go up, that's the way he's going to come back. And he is coming back. Don't let anybody tell you different. He's going to be here one day. There's going to be a lot of people that don't don't like it. Because they should have believed to start with. And and I think a lot at that time, I think at that time it's going to be a lot of sadness. A lot of anger. But they're not really mad at him. They're mad at themselves. They may take it out on him. But they're mad at themselves because they didn't, because somebody tried to teach it to them. And they turned away, thought it was stupid, made fun of it. But those who believe, those who follow beforehand, and truly follow, and not doing it for personal gain, but doing it for the fact that God died on the cross for you, shed his blood for you. You do it for that. You don't do it for what he can give you. I think that's a big misconception in the world. God gives us a lot. He does. He he's, he extends his grace more than he would ever need to. We, as humans, don't deserve what he gives us. Even the life that he gives us. Because we fail him so much. Because we're not perfect. One sin is all it takes for God to deny you in, into heaven. But when you apply the blood of, of Jesus to your sins, then you are forgiven. And those it's like those sins never existed. It says somewhere, I think, in Revelations, or it may not be Revelations, but it's talking about the judgment. The devil's going to try to come up to God and say, what about that thing he did? God's going to be like, what thing? I don't see nothing. But if the blood's not there... Then he's going to be able to point out everything you did. Everything. So keep that in mind, folks. He loves us. He died for us. And I don't mean this, I don't mean this to sound sermony, but I just feel like I needed to say that. I feel like somebody needed to hear that. He loves us. He died for us. If you only knew the amount of torture he went through. Knowing that he's God, he could have called... Legions of angels, the Bible says, to come take him off that cross, wipe everybody in the country out. And all you would have had to do is, is look up and say, help me. Now, you know what he said? I think the actual word that he said was e- Eli, Eli, Sabachthani or something. I don't, I, I butchered that pronunciation. I know I did. But it basically means... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was at that point. I feel like he was at his utmost human stage. He'd allowed himself to be 
fully human at that last point to where he even turned on himself and said, why have you forsaken me? It's very powerful to think about that. Somebody who had control of the universe of every molecule, atom, whatever makes atoms, and and I'm not talking about the protons and stuff, I'm talking about the little structures within that. He allowed himself to be that human. And somebody, some, I've heard people say, well, he's God. He probably just numbed the pain a little bit. No, he didn't. Because if he'd done that, it wouldn't have been as... Because one, God's not a liar. Titus 1-2 says God cannot lie. So if he would have numbed the pain, that would have been him lying. So no, he made himself human enough. Human... He made himself pure human there toward the end. That's why he died. Because if there was an ounce of God in him that wasn't left in heaven, that's what he done. He used his heavenly powers for the miracles and stuff. But I think when he got on the cross, he sent his powers back to heaven. Because right before he died, he said, "Is it? it is finished. And then he hung his head and gave up the ghost. And I think that was his spirit. Going back. Actually, I think the Bible says that in those three days, from the time he, he his life ended on the cross, till the time the tomb, or he was seen, on Easter Sunday, um, he was actually in hell preaching. He wasn't. He wasn't getting tortured or anything, but he was actually in hell preaching to the Jews, telling them what they should have believed. And I and I may find try to find that scripture so I can post it in the description. But uh, yeah, I think he was actually in the. I don't want to say outermost because I, I don't think really hell, hell has any regions. Because, I mean, we're all, no matter how many sins we commit, we're, it's the same as somebody that commits one sin. And then all sins are equal. And even though they are morally and emotionally different to Jesus and God, and I know it makes it sound like it's two people, but it's not. But to, the, but to Jesus, it's one. They're all the same because... He offered his blood as sacrifice and you turned it away. And but, but you see what I'm getting at. But he was uh, according to what I've researched, he was in hell preaching to the Jews, saying, This is what you should have believed, this is what Moses told you, but you have taken it into your own words and distorted it so much it's it's not even nowhere near the same as what I told him. So he kind of gives him a pretty good fussing. Is basically what it is. He gives him a pretty good fussing. But. There's nothing. I mean. That's just adding to the sorrow that they had. I mean they've already got. 
well, I mean, they've already got their doom coming. I mean, they're already there. So, I mean, add to it. Why not, you know? Because they've had their chance. They've had their chance on Earth, and that's the biggest point. Is You've got one chance on Earth to follow God and live right. Because once you're gone, you're gone. And the worst part about that is we don't know what day that is. We don't know what day that is. It's like this. Do you know a snowstorm's coming? And it's going to be bad. Like, 10 feet of snow. Which we don't get those around here anymore. Well, at least not where I'm at, but... Point is, you know, big snow coming. Do you not go prepare and get food that'll last for a few days while you're stuck? Why wouldn't you prepare for your eternal or your eternity for and when you have a free offering of life? You have it. It is guaranteed for you. All you gotta do is follow him. I mean, I don't mean this to sound like a lecture or a Sunday sermon because I, I, you know, I made a promise that this was going to be like Sunday school. But I've been in many different Sunday schools and some of them did sound like sermons. But just a more in-depth uh, part of each passage. But why would you not follow him? It's free. You, do, I mean, you might have to change your life a little bit. But it's still free. It doesn't cost you anything. All you gotta do is ask. Call upon the name of Jesus. And ye shall be saved. Anyway. Let's get back into this. Um, then it says in verse 12. It says. Then returned they into Jerusalem. From the mount called Olivet. Which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. I really don't know what that means. I've, I've seen that a few times. A Sabbath day journey. I think it might mean a week. I, I don't know. And then it says, And when they were come in, they went up in the upper room. Okay. See, that just kind of proved I don't know what half of what I'm talking about sometimes. Um, I thought the upper room was later in the, in the book of Acts. And it said, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zalotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. So 120 people in this other upper room. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled. Basically, that says the scripture, the prophecy that was laid out before us from the Old Testament guys, it's been fulfilled and Y'all seen it. Then <laughs> um, it says, The Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. 
for he was outnumbered with us and had obtained part of his ministry. And now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. He's talking about Judas, where he uh, he turned in Jesus for some coins. So now he goes and buys a field with that. And that's what it's talking about, his iniquity, his money he got from evil doings. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Ooh, that's kind of gruesome. Y'all thought the the Bible was a family safe. Some PG-13 stuff in here. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field is called in their proper tongue, Akeldama, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell there, or therein. And his bishopric let another take. Which, I think that means office, or charge, or I don't know what the charge means, but you know. Wherefore, of these men, which have companied with us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto the same day that he was taken up from us, must one of our must one be ordained to be a witness with us as a, of his resurrection. And they appointed two Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias or Matthias. I wonder which one it is. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was outnumbered with with the eleven apostles. And that's it. That's it for that chapter. It kind of took me by surprise. It kind of ended abruptly. And, you know, some of them kind of taper off. Uh, that one just kind of slammed shut. But basically, they're in this upper room right now. And the upper room's not over with yet. But they're just kind of sitting there. It's just, you know, and they're just kind of setting everything up. What's about to happen is very miraculous, and, and it's one of the miracles that Jesus openly performed after his resurrection, which I think is very curious, because today, he doesn't really, he, I know he performs miracles, but I mean, this is like a massive, like, big, humongous, like, everybody's going to know about it miracle. I mean, if he does something for us, I mean, we tell a few people, and it kind of just dies there, but... He really done something for these people, you know, that upper room. I better not tell y'all everything. Y'all need to listen to the next episode on Wednesday nights. So, that's it for today. Um, If you like this podcast, give it a like. Give it a thumbs up. Give it a heart. Whatever it is on the platform that you watch, comment on it. If there is a place to comment, because I know some platforms don't have comment slots. Give it a rating. I know Apple Podcasts allows you to rate, so to SoundCloud, but I don't think this is on SoundCloud. No, this is not on SoundCloud. So if you have a spot to rate, by all means do that. Then also, 
just to let you know, I will be continuing my book of John on Sundays. But other after the John's done, I've got some exciting coming up. It's going to be very, very, very knowledgeable. Um, I'll give you a little hint. It's Old Testament. I'm not going to the the gospel because I I need to. I feel like I need to go back and reiterate some of the history that God taught His people. Some of the things that He taught His people in the old days that they misinterpreted, and by the time we got to Jesus, it was totally wrong, totally wrong, and that's why He had to come straighten them out. And I believe that's why one of the reasons why he came. It was getting so bad that nobody knew the truth anymore. It was all rewrote, so to speak. So if you like that idea, just uh, leave a comment. But most importantly, tune in to listen. Because, I mean, come out twice a week now. Twice a week. Different different uh, guidelines, different uh, messages. But I hope you all learn the same. All right. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. See y'all on the next podcast.